Welcome to the Zenith Podcast, where we explore a variety of topics to help us climb to the heights of humanity to be the best humans we can be. Please like and subscribe and visit zenithministries.com for more of what we offer. Hey, welcome to the Zenith Ministries Podcast. I'm Thomas Clements, and today we will be speaking about spiritual warfare with our esteemed and wonderful host, Dr. Paul Thigpen. I can't say the Paul Thigpen, right? Because I hear you have a, a cousin in Savannah who owns the Paul Thigpen Chevrolet uh, car shop. But anyway, welcome, Paul. We, we are so excited. I am so excited to have you with us today. Thank you, Thomas. This is a delight. We're, we're old friends, and it's just wonderful to be with you. Yeah, it's good. Good. Yeah, my, my pleasure. For those of you... <laughs> Who don't know Paul Thigpen, he is, uh, once, once again, I, I say a tremendous man. He's an award-winning journalist of uh, and best-selling author of 60 books, uh, including the one that we're going to speak about today, uh, The Manual for Spiritual Warfare and Another Saints Who Battled Satan. Uh, his books have been translated to, to uh, 15 different languages and published around the world. He loves to sing. He was a first tenor soloist with the Yale Glee Club and the lead singer in a Christian rock band that pioneered contemporary Christian music throughout Europe in the early 70s. He also had a small speaking part in the 1979 CBS made-for-television movie Orphan Train. Um, and he has even been known to do improv comedy with some of his college students uh, when he taught uh, as a theology professor for a small college in North Georgia. Um, which he did at a small campus coffee house. Dr. Paul Thigpen, welcome. Thank you for speaking with us today. Um, and so that is just an amazing array of, of experiences and, and things to have accomplished. Any, anything of those memories that kind of stick out to you as, as kind of holding a, a more special place in your heart? Well, for sure, the two years I was in Europe, <clears throat> Spent two years singing about Jesus. I was a brand new convert there and, uh, and helping to lead people to faith in him. Uh, was probably some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. <laughs> uh, I bet. I bet. Well, you, you have quite literally written uh, the book on spiritual battle, spiritual warfare. Um, one is the, the book of uh, spiritual. It's the manual for spiritual warfare. Uh, and it is, it's a great, a great read. If you haven't picked one up, a copy of, I, I would quite recommend it. And then we have here, uh, the saint, the saints who have battled Satan, which is also an awesome read has many good, good stories. And, and so you, you know what you're talking about. Uh, we don't have to go into any experiences that you've had yourself, but I'm, I'm sure you have, uh, but let, let's talk about the topic and, and really help, you know, educate. Uh, you know, people on, on really the reality of what's going on. This is something that I've kind of known about, but, it, you know, just have really become more aware of, you know, the fact that we're, you know, in the middle of a battle, like we're, we're born into this, you know, it's, it's, we can't say it's not fair, but because it's, it's just the reality we're born into this and, you know, we have to be prepared. Um, so let, let me just start, you know, basically what, what is, the spiritual battle that all humans find themselves in, whether they believe in the devil or not. It's as you say, it's uh, it's a war we can't can't escape. There's <clears throat> there's no demilitarized zone. I like to say, no, <laughs> you can't you can't declare you declare yourself neutral territory. Um, and the reason is this: that uh, uh, our first parents, Adam and Eve, uh, were were made by God perfect and, and perfect righteousness and but had a free will. That was part of their perfection, that they could choose for God or against God. And <clears throat> to our great agony ever since, our misery, uh, they chose against God. And <clears throat> the choice they made was uh, in cooperation at the provocation of the, the demonic spirit that we call Satan, who's the, the leader of, of the demonic spirits. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, he himself before that time had, was also created good, a good angel. He's, so that's what uh, demons are. They're angels to have mm -hmm. turned away from God sure. and uh, fell, fell from God. It's cast out of heaven. Uh, St. Michael led the host, the scripture tells us, that did yeah. that. And so that's one reason we invoke him. And, uh, you know, he was, <clears throat> you can imagine, he's, he's kicked out of heaven. He's chosen himself over God. 
and he rages. He rages against God. And yet there's a problem. Uh, he can't get his hands on God. Mm. Uh, God's all powerful, good. Uh, what he'd like to do is punch him out and worse. And he can't do that. And so what does he do instead? Well, I, I like to, to mention how since ancient times, there's been a, a custom in the Middle East. And you saw it in uh, the war in Iraq uh, when, uh, when Baghdad fell and Saddam Hussein, the you know, previous um, ruler who had been so brutal, was in hiding and they couldn't find him. The people went out into the streets to celebrate. And what was one of the most kind of memorable things they did, they pulled down a great bronze statue of him. Mm-hmm. And then they began to stomp on it, throw yes. their shoes at it, which in Middle Eastern culture is a great insult, and to do everything they could to abuse the statue. Sure. Why? Because they couldn't get their hands on him, but so they they went to attack the image of him sure. as a way of going after him. And um, and that we have record of that going all the way back to the to the early centuries of the church when people got mad at the emperor pulling down the emperor's statue, abusing mm-hmm. it. So the point is this: God, uh, God's all powerful. Satan couldn't get his hands on God to uh, show his rage. So how could he get back at God? Mm-hmm. He goes yeah. after his, his image, and who's the image of God? The human race. Yeah, we're the image of God, and so he comes after us. And it's even more than that, not just insult God's image, but we're because we're not just his image, we're his children. And um, if he couldn't get his hands on the father, he he wants to hurt the father's heart by coming after his children. Yeah. And I've seen that happen in my own life. Um, just <laughs> seen it this week. Anytime I, I speak publicly about spiritual warfare, go on a podcast like this, some kind of interview, there's always attacks on my family. And um, they've had some this week. So. It's, uh, it's uncanny how that happens. But anyway, that's why he comes after us. And so mm-hmm. um, ever since the beginning of time, ever since the fall, the enemy, and he has hosts. The, the scripture speaks of a third of the host of heaven that have followed him mm-hmm. or at his, do his bidding and, and come after us. And their goal is to make us miserable now and eternally miserable in hell with them. Misery loves company. They know what their, yeah. their fate is. They want us to join join them there and to break the heart of God. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That is, that's a great uh, description, but what, what does this battle, would you say look like in like everyday experiences? Like how, how can we say we're being attacked? (laughs) Great question. The um, people often want me to talk mostly, and I'm willing to some uh, about what the church calls the extraordinary activity of the devil. Mm -hmm. That's the stuff that Hollywood likes to make so much of. Sure. In movie, you know, in horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so things that involve demonic uh, possession and oppression and levitation and paranormal phenomena and stuff that mm-hmm. the, the devil's after. But for most of us, thank God, we, you know, that's not what we have to face. Some do. But for most of us, we have to face the onslaught of the devil through what the church calls his ordinary activity. Okay. And his ordinary, ordinary activity um, really can be summed up in, in one word for the most part, and that's temptation. Mm. That uh, we, and if you want to study it, and as often do you, you can go to the account of Adam and Eve in the garden and how he tempted Eve. You can go to the book of Job and how he tried to tempt Job. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can look at Jesus on the, in the wilderness uh, when he was fasting, uh, how the enemy tried to tempt him. They're like the three classic examples in the Bible of how he comes add us through temptation but that's that's the thing and we have to learn how to recognize when something is a temptation and how to guard against it how to say no sure sure so yeah temptation is his tactic but would you say so in a way that like temptation i've, I've read it certain saints have said it or, you know uh, popes have talked about temptation as you know it's something that that's going to always be present to us like we're never going to be even like the greatest, you know, saint is going to experience temptation, but it's, it's our chance to like build character and kind of prove our love of God. Just like the, you know, that was what was supposed to happen in the garden with Adam and Eve. Yes, exactly. And yeah. it proves our love for God and it puts, puts steel in our will every time we respond yeah, that way. That's to remind people that the, the Greek word in the new Testament for temptation um, actually, actually means testing oh, nice. trial or yeah. trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and people will ask, and I'll talk about this in my book, how, well, 
why didn't God just crush the devil and get him out of our lives so we don't have this? And um, it was St. Augustine who once said that as an artist, God makes use even of the devil. Yes, <laughs> and, awesome. Um, I love and that. And that's, that's the devil's his tool in that way. Mm-hmm. That sure. He, there's certain things he won't, God won't allow, but, um, but he allows the enemy to do this because we're, uh, even with baptism, original sin washed away, we have what the church calls concupiscence, and that's mm-hmm. the inclination towards sin. The way I like to, de- to describe that, I used to, you may remember I used to talk about it in class that we used to have a cat uh, and we lived in a house with a tin roof and a big tree next to it. And this crazy cat loved to climb the tree and jump on the roof and then kind of maneuver its way. And it's at an angle and, you know, there's nowhere to get your claws really. In. And one day after a thunderstorm, it was all wet and the crazy cat jumped up there, put his claws in and it was too slick and, oh. he goes, you know, and slides down. He was okay. He was a cat. He has nine lives, but yeah. uh, he was fine. But, <laughs> But that's what concupiscence is. It's, an, it's not that we have to sin, but it's an inclination to sin. Mm-hmm. That if we're not actively resisting the inclination, okay. yeah. we slide into sin. So that it takes labor and grace and sacraments and all the rest, you know, uh, in our lives to keep from sliding into it. Well, while we're in this life, of course, heaven will be different. Mm-hmm. And so um, given that that's the case, <clears throat> excuse me, rather than just waving a magic wand, and taking all that away, um, what God says is, okay, you, you, original sins washed away if you've been baptized. You have this inclination. But every time I give you a test, if you say yes to me and no to the sin, then your will is stronger. Yeah, It's like every time, you know, if you lift weights, every time you lift that weight, you're making your arms just, your, your arms just a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. And, and people who have been involved in addictions know this really well, that... Um, often talk about the virtues and vices. And some people mm-hmm. think that means good acts and sins, but it doesn't. A virtue is a good habit and a vice is a bad habit. And we used to live on a, uh, a road in, uh, down in Savannah where I'm from that was a dirt road and uh, not very well kept up by the county. Oh, sure. Every time cars would, you know, after a while cars driving, it, it would begin to get ruts in it. Mm-hmm. And the thing about a rut is that, um, when you're driving on it and you get on the edge because it's that incline, you have to actively turn the wheel, keep turning the wheel away so mm-hmm. you don't slide into the rut unless the rut's going where you want to go. <laughs> and, uh, and so I like to say virtues are good ruts in the soul by oh, uh, you know, yeah. that we slide into the good thing and, it, and it's mm-hmm. easier to, to do the good thing if we mm-hmm. have the virtue. And same thing with advice. It, it's the bad ruts in the soul and mm-hmm. it takes so much more effort to get out if you made that rut. And so temptation does that. Every time we say yes to God, then we are building a good virtue. We're building a rut in our soul that helps us slide into the will of God and to obey him, slide into obedience. But every time we say no, we're doing the opposite. And as I said, anybody's ever had addictions, they know how hard it is once you've built that rut to get out of it. It takes extra effort. And if you keep, but if you keep choosing yes, even if you fall, you keep choosing yes, yes to God, yes to the right thing eventually then it becomes so much easier to, to oh, resist the temptation. Absolutely. I, I know I, for one, am, am definitely a habitual creature. I know if I you know wake up every morning, I drive a certain way to, to go to work and I'm always making that right-hand turn. If I'm not careful and I get to that, you know, that, that stop sign, I'm going to go right. If I don't actively say, got to go left today, Thomas. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. And so, uh, that kind of talks about how the, the devil can attack us through temptation. But you say in your manual that our enemy can be the world, the flesh, and the devil. Can you explain a little bit about what this means? Yeah. I mean, the others have been defined in, in different ways. But for me, the world, uh-huh. it's used, that word is used in Scripture in different ways, even with the book of John, within the uh-huh. book of John, it's used in different uh-huh. ways. So God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That means he loved the human race. World means human race there. Sure. Uh, but sometime, but then St. John in his letter says, do not love the world or the things of the world. Oh, so yeah. do we love the world or not? You know, which, which is <laughs> it? Um, well, it's because world there means the world system, which is that kind of structure of society and culture that is built in opposition to God. So you look at our culture, our world, as we talk about, yeah, the world we live in today, you see great structures of greed, of, of lust, of um, undermining the dignity of the human person, of uh, deception, 
all these things that are opposed mm -hmm. to God and to his work. And the, the world as a whole is characterized by those and people you know, fall into it. And so often the temptation will come uh, by way of, of that kind of, that's what I think it means by world. Yeah. Whereas opposed to the flesh, which again, it also has several meanings in scripture. But in this case, I think flesh means that just the things that come arise from, from our, our physical nature, especially, and maybe some of our emotional nature. And then the devil, you know, you know, who the devil is. So the example I usually give is if you take, for example, if you have a young man who's sitting down at the computer and surfing, and mm -hmm. all of a sudden there comes up an ad on the side of the thing, and it's a place where he knows he shouldn't go. Yeah. Okay. Now, what happens? He's, he's feeling temptation. Where's the, what's the source of the temptation? Well, first of all, the temptation is the world. There are people out there who don't respect the dignity of the human person, who have no sense of uh, the beauty and meaning and uh, proper forms, if you will, of, of sexuality yeah. and who are greedy for, you know, greedy for profit. And so they're willing to ensnare that man for the sake of their own profit. Mm -hmm. That's the world tempting him, the yeah. world with its systems of inverted values that are all out of, out of whack. Mm -hmm. But then his flesh, you know, kicks in too. And he's, you know, the hormones being cook, kick it, and, and, and the temptation's even stronger. Well, even when something like that happened, it's not necessarily originating directly from the devil. I guarantee you the devil jumps on. He piles yeah, on at that point. Absolutely. And then he begins the temptations that usually come from things he will say to us. And we can talk more about that, you know, how the temptations come. It's not just from a situation, though he can make a situation happen but it's from the thoughts that he can place into our mind. Yeah. At that point, he begins to place the thoughts. Go ahead. It's okay. It's not really bad. Nobody will even know, you know, that kind of thing. And, yeah. by, and that way, we've got the world and the flesh and the devil all piled on to tempt that young man. Absolutely. Okay. And, and so how do we then, how can we, you kind of went into a little bit, how can we kind of differentiate and know, you know, who's, who's attacking us? Is it, is it me? Like earlier I'm sending texts to my wife, you know, and there's like 15, you know, you know, errors that I'm making, you know, typos and whatnot. I'm like, oh, come on, just make the right word. Is that me? Is that me? Or is it the devil trying to interrupt? You know, it's me, but just like to give the example. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. How do we know yeah, who, I would say, who's attacking okay. us? Okay. One of the things we have to understand is that uh, being a fallen angel, the angelic nature, um, <clears throat> does not have a physical body and it, it moves through, it doesn't actually move through space because it doesn't occupy space, mm -hmm. but it can insert itself kind of in this, uh, by exert its influence, so to speak, on people and things in the world. And, um, and in you know, our normal communications, the way that we know when a thought comes from outside of us is that it, <clears throat> excuse me, it comes usually by way of our senses. Mm. So we read it, we hear it, um, see it on a billboard. You know, the thought may be like a visual thought of some picture. It comes by way of our senses, and we know that didn't start with me. It came from outside. Yeah. But the enemy doesn't have physical, you know, it doesn't have a physical aspect, but he can still communicate with us directly into our minds. And he bypasses our senses. He doesn't need to do that going through the physical realm. <clears throat> and so what that means is that we have to begin to, recognize the thoughts that come from him and and to reject those and you know part of what i talk about in the book is that there's certain kinds of of thoughts that typically come from him and again even if the thoughts just coming from yourself if it's a bad thought you still need to recognize it and yeah. keep him from jumping on you know to make it worse mm -hmm. but the the first kind of thought is a deception of some kind mm -hmm. he's jesus said he's the, the father of lies a liar and the father of lies and, uh, and St. Paul talks about his wiles, the tricksy things he does. Yeah, yeah. And so <clears throat> he will usually try to deceive us uh, about who God is, about God's character, about mm -hmm. God's intentions for us, um, or to try to deceive us about our, who we are. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, those are at the heart of so many things. And you like, take it, for example, in the, the story, um, yeah, the account of even you know being tempted by the serpent mm -hmm. uh, in the garden, and <clears throat> so she he says, well, you can't eat of any of the fruit of the trees. You know, and she says, yeah. well, we can eat all the tree except the one of, of this tree, because on that day uh, we'll die. And what yeah. does he say? 
you won't die. <laughs> That's a lie. Yeah. What's the purpose of the lie? To deceive her into thinking that God is a liar. That and, God yeah. has misrepresented himself. God mm -hmm. has deceived her. And then when he goes on to say, but, but God knows that when you eat it, you'll be um, like him, knowing good and evil. Now, put yourself at ease place. You have been created by God to be like God. You've been yeah. created by God to be in his image. Everything inside of you wants to be like God. And <clears throat> it resonates to you to hear, I can be like God. That's what yeah. I'm supposed to be. But then his typical strategy is he'll hold that out and say, now the best way to be like God is to disobey God, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, <laughs> which is what he did, you know. Yeah. And <clears throat> so he, he makes the temptation strong, but it's a deception, you know. Yeah. Disobeying God will never make you like God. It will yeah. distort you. So that's one kind of you know, deception <clears throat> about who she was and who God was. And mm -hmm. similar kind of thing um, is that, that look at Jesus in the wilderness. So when when he's when the devil's tempting Jesus, he doesn't say, since you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. He, it's very subtle, but he says, if you are the mm. son of God, yeah, yeah. turn these stones into bread, as if to say, <laughs> I don't believe it. Maybe yeah. you believe it. But if that's really true, you could do this. Yeah, absolutely. And so part of the temptation is to try to get Jesus and his human nature to doubt his sonship as the son of God, mm -hmm. divine sonship. And um, <clears throat> so that's another example. But so deception is the first thing. Um, he also does it by accusation. Book of Revelation in the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren, of the brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> that he will try to bully us into doing something. Uh, so, for instance, and, and he may do it through uh, the words of another person. Sometimes it's not directly yeah. in their minds, but he'll sure. put words in someone else and they'll spill it. So I think about Job. He's on the edge of despair, but he hasn't given in to despair with all the stuff that's happened to him. Mm -hmm. And he's holding on. He's holding on to God and and to being a, trying to be a righteous man who prays, you know, saying, even if he slays me, I will still praise him. Mm -hmm. Speaking of God. Yeah. And what happens? His wife comes along. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's the worst spouse advice in all human history. You know? <laughs> and says, do you still put your trust in God or hold fast to God? Oh, wow. Domestic righteousness? Just curse God and die. Oh, man. I mean, what? It's an accusation, basically, that you're not really up to this and God doesn't care about you. Just die. And, and she's trying to bully him into that. Yeah. You know? And mm -hmm. the enemy does that a lot of times. So accusations about ourselves, accusations about the people around us, especially spouses, accusations about the spouse. Mm -hmm. I don't really love you. Your, your secretary loves you. Why don't you take her out to dinner? You know, those, those kinds of thoughts. Yeah to try to get you to sin by, by bullying you and, and yeah. making accusations. Then you've got um, doubts. Yeah. You know, it's closely related to deception, but doubts about the nature of God, doubts about his intentions for you, um, doubts about that. And, that, and when, um, when the devil said to Eve, did God really say? <laughs> it's mm -hmm. a classic. It's like saying, well, in scripture, the Lord says this, and he'll say, is, is that really the word of God? You know, are you sure? Did God really say that? You don't, you don't like yeah. that, do you? It's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's, it, mm -hmm. it's in the way of what you want to do. And so you've got, you've got all of those. Um, provocation is another way where he will <clears throat> arrange circumstances or say words mm -hmm. in, in a way that will kind of pressure you into doing something or make it so much easier that you slide into mm -hmm. it. And so... Um, so he, you know, he'll, he'll put some, something on your mind. I, I like to joke about how when I'm driving down I-75, I that's when this happens to me most often, when, when the, you know, the drivers are so awful that the enemy's in there trying to provoke me to rage. <laughs> now, don't curse, but you know, yeah, if I did, sure. <laughs> I yeah. to that, or to cut them off or say, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's that kind of, pro he, he provokes us to rage. He provokes yeah. us to rage. Oh, sure. Of course, by, you know, he could put a, note, a thought in a beautiful woman's scantily dressed mind, or body with mind to put a thought in her mind to just go across paths and see us where we are. The, the ancient fathers of the desert talked about how um, that he he can read body language real well. And it's been debated, uh, but but most uh -huh. of the Christian tradition says he can't read or actually read our thoughts. Mm -hmm. But he watched, he knows body language real well, human body language. And so, for instance. Uh, you know, modern physiologists have told us that when someone sees something attractive to them, the pupil of the eye dilates. 
Mm-hmm. Humans have always known that. They see the pupil of your eye dilating by looking at this particular kind of woman or this particular kind of car that you lust after or whatever yeah. it may be. Yeah. And they say, oh, that's the bait. <laughs> <laughs> so all those things, they're all different ways, kinds of thoughts. And mm-hmm. they can come just from our flesh or from the world. But even if they do, he's quick to jump on it and, and push yeah. us. And we have to recognize those thoughts and, <clears throat> and say, that's not my <laughs> yeah, I don't own Amen. that. I don't claim that. I, uh, I just, I get clinical distance on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the in the manual, I talk about all these different ways that you you strengthen yourself against it. But in particular, one of the things you do is you learn the Word of God, you learn Scripture, and yeah, and you Amen. memorize it so that when the thought comes to you, you can parry it, so to speak, with the Word of God. That's what Jesus did in the Word. That's what Jesus did. I was just exactly thinking the enemy yeah. says that. So. I mean, other, there are other things, too, we can talk about fasting, and praying, for instance. That's how Jesus mm-hmm. prepared to meet the devil in the wilderness. But once the devil appeared, how did he engage the battle? He did by parrying everything he said with scripture. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So the devil says, you know, jump off <laughs> the temple. And he says, no, the Lord says, you'll not tempt the Lord your God. And we can do the same things. Amen. You know? We can <clears throat> we, we start getting an accusation and we can quote you know, the book of Revelation. The accuser of the brethren has been cast down. That's you, Bubba. <laughs> Leave me alone. Um, or, you know, provoking us to fear. That's another thing along mm-hmm. with rage and lust. To fear. Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> and we can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Mm-hmm. I shall not want. Yeah. You know, I will fear no evil. Um, and, and so many other ways. Yeah. If, if he's tempting us to doubt, scriptures that we've learned about hope he's mm-hmm. tempting us to to anger uh scriptures we learn about peace and about peacemaking and being patient instead of being provoked by anger so that's one of the main ways we do it is, is through scripture but there are other things too like fasting prayer sacraments sacramentals yeah that's that's exactly that's amazing thank you but i i like to also take take the thought captive by the name of jesus and say you know mm-hmm. if this if this thought uh, is not from you, Jesus, then please take it away from me, by the, you know, in the name of Jesus. And he takes care of us. He's, he's a good God. So that, that was well, well said. Thank you. Well, you just, um, it gives you clinical distance on it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> you're able to draw back and say, okay, I see where that's coming from. Yes. And then you pray yes. you know, like that. And prayer can do the same thing too, because mm-hmm. what I like to say is when the enemy starts talking to you these ways, it's mm-hmm. you just bring a third person into the conversation. You know, you bring, yeah, bring God exactly into the conversation. Say, exactly. Okay, Lord, you you talk to him. <laughs> but but also kind of keeping in mind, uh, you know, about the flesh. You know, uh, sometimes because we've been allowing the devil to kind of convince us of things for so long, it kind of trains our brain mm-hmm. to think certain, like let's think a certain way about ourselves. So there sometimes needs you know more work to be done to help you untrain. Uh, your, your way of thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, you know, good counsel from brothers and yeah, sisters. Perfect. Yeah. Can be good. And, um, you know, I've said this to you before, since you're in a ministry involved so much in healing, that um, this is spiritual warfare is an important part of, of healing. Yeah. Ministry. It is yeah. because so much of what, you know, when um, I think about the gospel story where the, the woman had was bent over, you know, in the synagogue Yeah, and Jesus is going to heal her. But what notes is that Satan had had her bound for 18 years. Yeah. So it wasn't just a physical illness. Mm-hmm. There was something yeah. how Satan had gotten yeah. in there. And people Absolutely. speculated, you know, if you if you hold a grudge, you fail to forgive. Mm-hmm. Bitterness mm-hmm. arises in your heart. That we, we know that can affect your body and stuff. Maybe she had had some old grudge that just began to, you know, it, mm. can, it can make arthritis worse, stuff like that. Maybe it was that that had to be healed as well. Maybe it's just something else where the enemy just attacked. But I think that's one biblical, a biblical example of, of how um, healing really, we really need a, a healing of, of how we see ourselves, how we see God. Oh, absolutely. Learning that he's a loving father and, mm, and not mm-hmm. simply a merciless judge or something. You know? Yeah. Cause that's, that's the devil. <laughs> he's the yeah. merciless judge. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> and I love someone once said, I think it was probably on my Pentecostal days, you know, just remember brother when, when Satan, Reminds you of your sins in the past. 
you remind him of his future. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> that saying. Is perfect. It's because the accuser, that's part of the accuser of the brethren. He will bring up those sins again. Yeah. Amen. I've already, I've already brought those yeah. to confession and put those under the blood there. Um, so, but, but by the way, you think about your future. <laughs> and yeah. You don't want to talk to the devil much, you know, like, no, like no, I'm just no. saying, it's just yeah. kind of a, it's a, a funny, funny way, way to yeah, you know, that's brush perfect. it off. Yeah. Uh, brushing it off. Sure. Uh, but what, what is really going on? When it's humans versus humans, especially if it's, uh, you know, maybe they're fighting verbally, physically, or even, you know, these, these big wars that take place mm -hmm. throughout human history. I mean, uh, things that come up or you see confrontation, uh, you know, are basically, are other humans really our enemy? Well, St. Paul says, you will wrestle not with yeah. flesh and blood, but with the yeah. principalities and powers, which means demonic powers. And exactly. there's a beautiful, powerful story. Mm -hmm. From the life of St. Francis of Assisi. It's in my book, um, Saints Who Battle Satan. And <clears throat> people often think of him as the kind of sweet, kind, you know, saint. And he preaches to the birds and the little and the wolf <laughs> is like a tame dog, you know, rubbing up against them. And all that's true. Um, and he was very gracious and kind and patient, and all those things, <clears throat> gentle. But they don't realize if you look into his life deeply, he was deeply involved in spiritual warfare. I mean, sometimes, you know, going into buildings where the things were just crawling with demons where he has to cast them out but one powerful story that applies to what you're what you're talking about here uh says that that one day he was called to to preach or decided to preach called by god uh in a particular italian city and it was the old city states that had the big walls outside like a fortress and uh he went and the day or the evening before uh he's staying at some lodging outside the city walls that is on a hill looking down at the city. And um, as he's praying for the city, it's as if God pulls back the veil, the spiritual veil, so that he can see what's going on spiritually. And he sees this host of demons who are down. Oh, I'm sorry, I should back up. And oh. the main thing about the city was that it was on the brink of civil war. Sorry, that okay. really, that's really critical. Sure. Yeah. Sure. On the brink of civil war, that any day they were going to, they already had the factional fighting and the street fighting and stuff. Any day it was going to break out in civil war between mm. two factions. That happened a lot. When you think about mm -hmm. Romeo and Juliet, happened sure. a lot between two sure. factions within a city at that time. And um, and so he had come and was, you know, hoping to be able to stop that. So, sorry, I, I left that out. But anyway, that's oh, critical. So he the, the veil comes out back and what he sees is a host of demons who have descended on the city and they're provoking the hearts mm. of the people yeah. against mm -hmm. each other. They're provoking them to anger, to rage, and to violence and hatred. They're just doing that, doing that. And so St. Francis, okay, I know what I need to do. So it's a great story. So he calls on brother, I think it may have been brother Sebastian, I don't remember his name, but he was like uh -huh. the most humble of the friars and maybe a little simple-minded, I don't know. But mm -hmm. uh, And he says, brother, I have, I have a job for you. He said, yes, yes. His father, Francis, and even a father in the sense of his abbot, not in the sense of his being a priest, who's just a deacon. But um, he says, he tells him what he's seen. He says, I want you to go down to the gates of that city and you speak to those demonic powers and you tell them in the name of Jesus and of my spiritual father, Francis, you must be gone. You must leave. Wow. Now, most of us. <laughs> saying, wow. Oh, Francis, can't you get somebody else? You yeah. got the demons and you're sending me down there. Yeah. But he was a very obedient, you know, young, mm. young friar. So uh, he did. And he went down there and he said that to them and they scattered. Francis wow. can see it. The next day he goes in and preaches and there's reconciliation in the city That's and awesome. they avoid the civil war. So, all that's to say, it's a long story. But, uh, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's, no, it's, yeah it's the point story. is that. Yes, I do believe that the kind of conflict we see between nations, cities, demographic classes now, um, certainly it has certain, you know, lots of human elements in it. But sure. again, the enemy jumps on that. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, there's so much diabolical stuff going on. We, mm -hmm. we, you know, won't get into political things, but sure. Um, but a lot of things, some of the violence recently and stuff, you say that's that's hardly human. I mean, so the way some oh, sure. people are acting it merely mm -hmm. human you know it really seems diabolical mm -hmm. the way the calculated violence and um malice malice mm -hmm. and so yeah for sure and i'm sure yeah. it's right in the middle of what's going on in ukraine demons mm -hmm. probably on both sides in certain ways i'm not you know, trying yeah, to say yeah. that they're equal uh, by any means but the demons are going to find their way mm -hmm. so you know on either side you look at the you know the second world war 
yeah. Some of the things that happened with Hitler, I mean, the, the whole thing with the Nazis almost uh-huh. was diabolically driven, sure, sure. especially the leadership. And there were so many times there were assassination attempts on Hitler mm-hmm. and they'd be really close to doing it. All of a sudden it's like he'd stop and he'd leave the room or go somewhere mm. else. Wow. And then the bomb would go off. And you have to wonder, was it, was a demon warning him? Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, just uncanny. Some of the things. Yeah. What really convinces me that that was diabolical was when it was towards the end of the war and, you know, ba- basically the, the Americans have joined the allies are really, you know, coming close, you know, that they're, he should be putting his soldiers towards, you know, the front lines, you know, to battle up. But instead he's increasing death at the camps. He's, he's just yeah. continuing to have his soldiers work the camps and, you know, put, put those human beings to death. And that just, that's evil. That's not, he's not trying to win a war anymore. He's just trying to yeah. increase suffering, which is horrible. And suffering of the Jews who are God's yeah. chosen people. You know, exactly. Sons of Abraham. Exactly. The people who gave us the Messiah. Um, Amen. Yeah. So he, had tar- he had targeted them as some people have. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I mean, the, and then just other things that I mean, we know so for much. sure that there were so upper much. level Nazis who actually mm-hmm. did uh, engage in occult behavior. Oh, stuff wow. That, yeah. That would have been just open portals for the demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the story that you wrote about in Saints uh, Who Battled Satan, uh, where you talk about St. Catherine of Siena. And how she kind of you know devoted herself to her virginity, you know, for her whole life. She dedicated herself to Jesus in that way. And somehow, you know, the demons were able to inspire her parents and family members to want to force her to marry and would just abuse her. They fired their maid to, you know, make her do all the work and just infringed upon it. And in a way, it's it's cool because it's like she battled Satan by just doing chores around the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's a cool story. It's a cool story. And it often happens, you know, with, with St. Perpetua, you know, oh, really? a young Roman no- noble woman uh-huh. uh, whose, whose father is still pagan, uh-huh. but she's arrested right. and, you know, taken to the arena and, um, and what the greatest temptation, I mean, it probably was easier mm-hmm. for her to face the possibility of the wild animals or the gladiators or whatever than it was to have, then bring her father out and for him to get on his kneel, knees and weeping and saying, don't do this to me. Yeah. Don't do it to your child. Don't do it to your family. Just all you have to do is mm. burn the incense and go, you're, you'll be fine. And then they would, and then she, she would watch as the soldiers would come out and beat him with rods. Uh, that kind of thing. Think how awful that would have been. She loved her father dearly. And this was, the enemy was pulling out every stop yeah. through her father to get her to apostatize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She did, you know, mm-hmm. but it was just, um, it's an example. Of, yeah. If the enemy gets a hold of someone you really care about, it's, it's going to be rough. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. So I know, I know you wrote a whole book about it. The whole manual is perfect. Uh, and I recommend everyone, you know, get a, a copy because it's, it's a great tool to use, but can you give us, you know, some other things, you know, generally speaking on how we Christians can take up our cross, uh, follow Jesus and, and what we can do every day to protect ourselves. Oh yeah. Well, you know, there's all, there's a whole section yeah. in here, yeah. you know, called uh-huh. the, the weapons, you know, yeah. about our, the weapons of our warfare, St. Paul uh-huh. and uh, both the offensive and the defensive armor and the, the weapons that we have, we've already mentioned uh, prayer for sure. And yeah. Fasting. Great. For sure. Fasting increases the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. Jesus once said when he uh, was healing a, a young man of a demonic power, and, and the apostles couldn't do it, couldn't exercise and couldn't cast the demon out. He said, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. He made that specific. So that fasting can really increase the prayer. And sometimes it's, it's necessary to what we have to do in, in spiritual warfare. So you got prayer, you have fasting, you've got the scripture, the word of God. Um, of course, for Catholics, you've got the sacraments. And um, I go through the book, take each one of the seven sacraments and talk about yeah, its great. special role. In spiritual warfare so baptism for instance saint paul says that um that god has taken us out of the realm of darkness into the realm in the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light and that's what baptism is it's like a uh, like a seal team that comes in rescues us in enemy territory takes us out and gets us to safety so it's a it's a beautiful thing uh there uh you know traditionally there there were exorcisms and minor minor exorcisms included in baptism 
which were especially important in the days when so many pagans were being baptized and they had associations with cultic and mm-hmm. other powers. Um, but the sacrament of that, of course, the Eucharist, um, wow, mm-hmm. it's <clears throat> the where was the devil defeated in history? Where was he defeated? On the cross. To him, it is the worst moment of human history. Oh, sure. Yeah. It is the thing that terrifies and dismays him most. Yeah. And where are we when we receive the Eucharist? We are standing at the foot of the cross. It's as if time mm-hmm. has disappeared and, and it yeah. comes forward or we go back or whatever, but we're standing at the foot of the cross, receiving into ourselves the body, blood, soul, and divinity of the same Jesus who conquered him on the cross, despises it. That's why we talk about sacramentals, but that's why he hates cru- yeah. crucifixes. Yeah. He just hates the, even just the sight of it. Mm-hmm. And, and so I love the saying of St. John Chrysostom. He was a fourth century he was bishop of the great city of Constantinople. By that time, it was the, the main city of the Roman Empire. And uh, they called him patriarchs instead of bishop. But um, he noticed how there's still a lot of pagans around and how uh, and demonic powers rampant because of that. How the, the people would often, they're, they're leaving mass and they're afraid that the demons are waiting for them. You know? And he said to him one time, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you don't have to worry about that. He said, when you come up to the altar, to receive the Eucharist and you turn around to face the world and the demons, you look to them like to the demons, like lions breathing fire. Awesome. What a powerful image. That's Amazing. Say to my, my mind ever since I read it first, that he yeah. said, you are a terror to the demons mm-hmm. when you have just taken the Eucharist. So going out there, you know, boldly because Amazing. they're afraid yeah. of you. Yeah. You're not you're not just a lion, you're not just a dragon, you're like a lion dragon. <laughs> you're a lion who's <laughs> breathing fire. <clears throat> and so that's that, that's a wonderful thing. And of course, confession. I mean, we're on the battlefield. Confession is, I like to say, the absolutely um, yeah. you know, the field hospital on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. The sin mm-hmm. wounds us, and then we need to be healed, and that's what confession is for. But confirmation, it's it strengthens us, you know, in the faith. That's what to confirm means to make strong. And uh, from, from ancient times, that was talked about um, in military terms. Mm-hmm. That, um, for instance, among the Romans, when you were um, assigned or became part of a military unit, the commander of that unit basically owned you. Mm-hmm. And you would get a tattoo that was his, a marker that you belonged to him, that he sure. was your commander. That's why, if you ever seen the movie Gladiator, after, yeah. the, after the Gladiator finds out, that his his own commander has betrayed him and led to the death of his family. He's there's one scene where he's just taking like a, some kind of scraping instrument and trying to scrape a tattoo off. Oh, That's yeah. what that means. Okay. It doesn't belong to him anymore because mm-hmm. of what he's done. So anyway, um they, they would talk about the saints, the bishops, others would talk about how when mm-hmm. you get the cross on your forehead with the anointing oil of confirmation, that's your tattoo that says oh, you are awesome. a soldier. You're mm-hmm. soldier of God now. He's your commander. Christ is your commander. You belong to him. And um, and there's just, there's an old tradition. Most folks today don't know it. Um, it wasn't, when I came to the Catholic Church, it was already, it's still around a little bit. But after you, when you were conferred and the bishop put the oil in, he would give a little slap on your face. That's right. That's right. You know I, that? never, I didn't experience that, but I heard about it. Yeah. And that, yeah. and the reason was, he's basically saying, man up. You're, <laughs> the soldier of, you're a soldier of God now. Yeah. And so that, that sense is still in some parts, but we need to mm-hmm. be reawakened to the sense that confirmation is like we're, boy, the warfare. Yeah. You're being enlisted into the army there, and we belong to him. And mm-hmm. so every one of them, you know, <clears throat> the sacrament of marriage exists grace for all the temptations of marriage mm-hmm. to resist the, Absolutely. the warfare of marriage. The, um, every, the, the one, the sacrament of healing, you know, includes also, I mean, I, I'm sure that some of those prayers, I know for sure that they have, given physical healing sometimes the prayer of anointing of the sick sure. but i'm i'm certain there must be times when they also actually cease demonic oppression as well mm-hmm. um so every one of those every one of the sacraments you know has every one of them that's yeah. right yeah. and i love how you like, phrase it in you know with the, as a battle and because that's what we're in that's what we're that's what this whole podcast is about we're born to this battle and that I love that way of looking at it, especially because it kind of makes sense of all the weird things that Catholics do. <laughs> like, well, it's a scriptural, I, you know. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's but but even even the sign, making the sign <clears throat> of the cross, 
like before mm-hmm. prayer. Like that's a powerful thing to do. Yes, it is. The demons so, hate it. The, the demons hate it. It's like if you want to bother the demons, make it the sign of the cross too. Yeah. And that's something you can well, do at any time. Well, let's talk about the sacramentals. You know, yeah, and the sacramentals. The sacramentals. They are not sacraments, yeah. so they they don't uh, convey the grace that they represent yeah. the way uh-huh. you know, Eucharist will or the others. Mm-hmm. But I like to call them. We often speak of occasions of sin. Uh-huh. Which in temptation you have to avoid because if you're close in that situation, you're disposed to sin. Yeah, I like to call sacramentals occasions of grace. Oh, I they love don't that. carry it. That's but great. what happens is if you if you are just use the uh-huh. sacramental rightly disposed, you mm-hmm. have to put yourself disposed yourself. Receive God's grace from yeah. the other means, and um, and church talks about how it disposes us to receive the grace of the, the sacraments. And so every one of those, whether it's, you know, blessed items, um, blessings themselves. Blessings themselves. Uh, uh, so everything, you know, crucifix, sacramental, um, I mean, uh, blessed metals, um, scapulars have been blessed. Uh, the rite of exorcism, a lot of people don't realize it is, it is a sacramental itself. Oh, wow. I the rite, that. that is a sacramental. Um, making the sign of the cross, a great one. And that's why, you know, in, in the old movies where the, the vampire or some other demonic thing comes up, uh-huh. you know, people make the sign of the cross. Yeah, that's they, right. You know, that's right. Or they, they hold up the, the crucifix and uh-huh. you know, it turns away. There's, there's an element of truth in that. that Absolutely. That from the beginning. Uh, that's how they fought. That's how evil. they, one of the ways yeah. they fought. Yeah. yeah, that's so good. But if you've ever had any, you know, conversation with exorcists, and I have in the course of writing these books, researching for them, you know, they'll tell you um, their tests that they will sometimes give to someone who, thinks they're possessed or you know, being oppressed, especially possessed. And um, and the church is always very careful about that. They don't want you to say, okay, if you're possessed, then I'll give you an exorcism. But they, they always send you first to the, they say you need to go to medical professionals, sure. see if there's something physical, go to mental health professionals, see if there's something there. Um, but if they're not getting to the root of it, then come back. And mm-hmm. when they come back, then sometimes, for some of them anyway, they're, some of the tests they give, are able to kind of provoke spiritually reactions that aren't medical and aren't psychological. Mm-hmm. So what do I mean by that? So for instance, one exorcist told me how um, they would take a whole bunch of holy metals that are exactly alike, but they would only bless one. And then they would sit the, the person at the table who may, may be the spirit, the victim and lay them out on the table and just say, what do you think about those? And if the person were possessed, they would start pointing at all the ones that were not blessed. And they had no knowledge of that, of course, with, you know, that, that one was and the others weren't. And saying, that's just a piece of metal. That's stupid. That's idiotic. That's a... But then when they got to the blessed one, they would say, that burns me. Take it away. Wow. It's... And or another example, they would um, take, get three boxes all alike. Wow. And place inside one of them a holy card that had been uh-huh. blessed. And another one, a saint relic. And the third one, a consecrated host, and put them before the person mm-hmm. and just, you know, and the person has no idea what's inside. Say, so what do you think of those? If it were something spiritual going on, typically the demon kind of speaking through them would say, point at the other one with a holy card and say, that's just stupid, silly, because they're mocking the saints. They would point at the one with a route though and say, that makes me uncomfortable. And then they would point at the one. That had the again without opening the box, they pointed the one with the host and say, That terrifies me, take it away now. Wow. And you know what it reminds me of in the gospel stories, how um there were times when Jesus' adversaries were all around and say, Ah, he's mm-hmm. fake, he's not the Messiah, you know, all that. Mm-hmm. And then rather than trying to answer them, he would turn to someone in the crowd who was possessed, <laughs> cast out the demon. And uh, you know, like when they said, Oh, he cast out demons by the prince of demons, but but you know. He's, he's casting out demons. So, yeah. if you're one of the onlookers trying to figure out is this guy real or not, it's so it's wild, especially on the occasion when he addresses the demons and the possessed person, and they say, you know, why are you bothering us, um, Jesus of Nazareth? You know, have you come to torment us before the day? And then he tells them, be quiet and leave, and they do. Uh-huh. So, if you're watching, you're saying, okay, these guys say he's not the Messiah, he's not the divine Son of God, but he just Demons just identified who he is and were cast yeah. out by him, recognized yeah. his authority. So that in a sense, when the religious people of the day refused to recognize him, then he got testimony from the demons, <laughs> which is <Yeah>. so ironic. <laughs> but even it the demons ironic. could recognize yeah. him. Even and this kind of situation that, yeah. I'm talking about is very similar to that, 
that if you have people, because other people say, oh, that whole thing about sacramentals, you know, Catholics, you, this is magical thinking, it's blah, yeah. blah, 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 you know, yeah, superstition. it doesn't really change anything superstition yeah. to, to bless a metal like that. Tell the demons that. Yeah, absolutely. The demons will say, mm-hmm. and this happens, it's happened many times. We'll say, no, it's not the same. Get that one away from me. <laughs> that one's been blessed. Amazing. Uh, yeah. So in that case, the demons give testimony to the reality of the Catholic Church's teaching and practice. Absolutely. That's that's awesome. But and you are you are so smart, Dr. Thigpen. And I could just pick your brain all day. Um, we have these two books. We have first the Saints Who Battle Satan. It might be uh reversed on the screen here, but it's a great, a great read. And then this is uh, the manual for spiritual warfare here. It's a nice pocket-sized uh, book that you can carry with you and, and refer to often. Um, but is there anything else that you would like to promote or that you'd like people to know about? Well, I will mention, too, that uh, and I forgot to mention before, uh, Tan, the same company did the others, has done oh, the Spiritual sure. Warfare Bible. Oh, awesome. So it's, uh, it's a Catholic Bible that has most of the material that's mm-hmm. in the manual included in that, plus some other things like an index mm-hmm. of all the biblical references. Okay, kind of great. And so that might be useful, but uh, you probably want to buy either the manual or that because there's sure. a lot of overlap. Yeah. The other thing is, I'll just I'll just say, if I may, I've got two books coming out. You may, yeah, um, absolutely. One has just come out. It's it's uh, being available in the next few days and some people already have it called Extraterrestrial Intelligence in the Catholic oh, Faith. Oh, nice. And so it's uh, it's a look at, or in the subtitle, Are We Alone with God and the Angels? It's a look at that whole topic and uh, opens up the fact that for over 2,000, 2,500 years, but since the early Christian church, especially, the Christian leaders, you know, theologians, others have, have talked about the subject. They didn't think it was silly. Uh-huh. And uh, there's been a conversation going on. And there are a lot of folks today who want to say, if there is extraterrestrial intelligence, we ever discovered and encounter it find evidence of it, then that means your Christian faith is wrong. And that's part of what the book says. No, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. not. yeah, absolutely. Um, but then the other very different topic is called the life of St. Joseph as seen by the mystics. Mm. And um, wow. take from, I think it's six mystic, mystical writers, Catholic mystics who had visions of St. Joseph. Of course it's private revelation. And I say sure, the whole sure. intro in there saying this is not mm-hmm. gospel and it's not historical. It's, it's more like sacred drama, but okay. you can learn so much mm. about what it would have been like. For, for St. Joseph and the kind of man he was. So it's uh, it's a, a shorter book, but it'll come out from Tan in November. And uh, okay. just some some beautiful insight. It was, it was lovely writing it, just to be able to meditate on the beautiful. life of St. Joseph. Wow, that sounds, that sounds like a great read. Looking forward to that. And, and the one about extraterrestrial life, that sounds fascinating as well. Well, we really appreciate you being with us today, Dr. Thigpen. Uh, once again, just a tremendous human being. So glad to have you on the podcast. For those of you who've been listening or watching, thank you for joining us and hope you can join us again next time. God bless you. Have a good day. Thank you for being here. I hope you enjoyed it. Please stay tuned for future podcasts and for more information, please visit zenithministries.com.